But I also think about Quince Duncan, who's uh, a writer, an Afro-Costa Rican writer, and he's been writing for over 50 years. And he was the first person to bring the Afro-Costa Rican story to literature. So before Quince Duncan, nobody had written about Black people in Costa Rica. And I find that absolutely incredible. So that's in, in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so to think about what that means, because before him, that means the Costa Rican story was not including people of African descent. They weren't being included. Their presence, the greatness, the building of the railroad, the Costa Rican railroad by people of African descent, Jamaican immigrants, that wasn't being told. Hi everyone, welcome to Now Boarding, a new travel podcast by me, Payal Nair. This show aims at creating awareness about ecotourism, sustainable tourism, responsible travel, and a lot more. We will cover stories and journeys of people who are ecotourism specialists and those who are leaders in their field. We will also be talking to people who have had unique travel experiences, remarkable conceptual places to stay, unexplored cultures and ancient histories of various towns and cities around the world. Join me in this journey of knowing more about travel. Get inspired to see the world and discover your inner self. Hi everyone, today I am in conversation with Kim Haas. Kim is executive producer, host and creator of a very, in my opinion, unique show. It's the Afro-Latino Travels with Kim Haas. It's a series that honors and celebrates the historical and cultural contributions of Latin America's African descendants. And I think that is such an important conversation to be had. And Kim is also active in Afro-Latino issues for more than 10 years. She's the founder of LosAfroLatinos.com, which is a blog celebrating Afro-Latino culture. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining me for you this morning and for me this afternoon, but it's a pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you. The pleasure is mine. And I was going to say good morning, buenos dias, or buenas tardes, depending buenas, on wherever you are in the world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, at the moment, yes, I'm yes. in Spain, I am in, in Abu Dhabi. I yes. my time between Singapore and Barcelona and the US and wherever I can find myself. <laughs> so that's uh, so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love yeah. what you do as well. And um, thank I'm you. Really excited to talk to you about your journey. So if we could maybe start a little bit with your background and mm -hmm. then we can just go into what really inspired you to start a, and create a TV show that focuses on the historical and cultural contributions of the Africans in Latin America. Yeah, thank you so much. And I am actually originally from Philadelphia, so the, sister, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And I just love to travel. And I've been so fortunate to have a grandmother who I tell my grandmother took me to Acapulco, Mexico when I was six or seven years old. And I tell you, someone in the hotel lobby asked me, they said, do you want to learn how to count your numbers in Spanish, one to 20, uno a 20? 
And I said, sure, absolutely. And from that moment on, I wanted more Spanish, more language, more travel. I was completely hooked. And I credit my grandmother and this perfect stranger for changing, I'm sure, the trajectory of my life and making travel possible. And one of the things I just like to say about my grandmother is that she grew up in the segregated South in South Carolina and her mother died before she was 10 and her father was in and out of her life and she had a really hard life. And I think what still inspires me about my grandmother and she's passed on is that she just had, despite tremendous difficulties, which she wouldn't even talk about. And when I would ask her, what was your life like? What was your childhood like? It was just too painful and she never shared. But despite all that, she had an incredible joy and love for people and to experience the world. And if you met her right now, no matter who you were, she would hug you and call you Puddin. She was just that kind of amazing human being. And I never saw my grandmother angry. I can't, I, she's just a joyful, incredible person. And I really credit her and of course this stranger for opening my world at such a young age. So that's what kind of got me on this wonderful journey of exploration. And so why Latin America in particular? I understand your love for Spanish and how you had to develop, but, (laughs) and yeah. And also before that, how did you get into filmmaking? I think that's a very important question. No, you're right. And thank you for that, for both. When my grandmother took me to Acapulco, that obviously, Mexico being a Spanish-speaking and indigenous, right, country, somebody asking me about wanting to learn Spanish. And so I was like, yes. And I just loved it. And I think maybe just being at a young age, you were, I wasn't as fearful to learn or to be, hopefully to be open. And I think that's what really got me hooked and excited. And then I think going back home and wanting to travel more and realizing how many people spoke Spanish. And so I think that made it probably easier to connect to because there were so many Spanish speaking people. And it was something that was, I'd say in terms of accessibility and ease, a lot easier to to want to learn and to meet people who spoke Spanish. So I think the prevalence of it made it easier. And I just loved it and adored it. And when then you asked me, I used to watch, my dad and I used to watch old movies and black and whites together. And I just, from a young age, I always wanted to combine Spanish and then eventually other languages, Portuguese and Italian with television. I just, or filmmaking, something. So that was always of interest to me or acting. And I was acting also So it just seemed natural that I wanted to combine those interests. And that's what eventually got me to want to create the show. Okay. So which is the first country that you actually went to? Was it Mexico or was it some other country that you went to to try and see if you're able to, like you mentioned, combine your filmmaking with understanding more about the Spanish culture. Um, But here, 
your, it's unique because it's essentially the Africans who yes. became an integral part of Latin America. So which was the oh. first country that you actually went to? That's one part of the question. And then what was the process like? Because after the first country, I guess then it would have set a pattern and become easier for you to <laughs> work on the research or, or not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, yes. No, I want to thank you again for just saying that, because I loved how you phrased it. And yes, Africans are integral to, I couldn't have said it better, to Latin American history and culture without a doubt. And I appreciate you so much for saying that because so rarely do people acknowledge that. First of all, they need to know it and learn it, but I appreciate you so much in sharing that and stating that, yes, and people of African descent have been in Latin America for 500 years. So before Mexico was a country and Colombia and Latin America, we've been countries, people of African descent were in these lands and, as you said, were integral to the formation of them as countries, but fought in their wars for independence and have just been an integral part of these countries or what are now, we know them I, as countries, yeah, whether so it's I, Colombia. Yes, yeah, so yes. I have a question. What made, or, or not made, but how did the Africans actually what, there must be some kind of historical origin to this migration from yes. different parts of Africa to Latin America. So if you could just highlight some of that for, for sure. people who may not be aware. Oh, no, thank you again. Yeah. So the migration, as you said, was really forced. It was forced migration. So people from Africa, remember, these are human beings. And people from Africa were forcibly taken from mostly the Western part of Africa. So what we know now, for example, countries like Nigeria and Ghana and throughout mostly, again, the Western part of Africa, but not exclusively, and were taken during the transatlantic slave trade. So what we know, for example, for the United States and North America as the slave trade, a lot of times people are very aware with that, but that also meant that people of African descent were taken to the Caribbean, Central America, and South America. And actually, over about 90% of people of African descent, Africans, were taken to Central America, the Caribbean, and South America. Only about 10% were taken to what is now the United States. So when we think about the slave trade and the Atlantic slave trade that lasted two, 300 years, the great majority of people weren't taken to what is now the United States and the colonies that were the original 13 colonies and so forth. But no, they were taken to point south. And so that's really important. And so that's why I'm a dark-skinned African-American. And I assume that my ancestors were on a ship that went north, usually probably coming through Charleston, South Carolina, which was a major hub. Um, but maybe someone who looks like me who's in Puerto Rico or who's in Salvador, Brazil, Da Bahia, Brazil, their ancestors were on probably a ship that went south to one of those areas. So it's most of this, and as you said, the migration, and unfortunately a very a forced 
kidnapping because they were seen as property occurred during this transatlantic slave route, which researchers estimate at least 10 million people, 12 million people survived this middle passage, they call, and were taken to to become enslaved and were enslaved. So which was the first country that you did the show on? (laughs) Yes. And so with all of that, (laughs) the first, sometimes you have plans and dreams, right? And visions of what you want. And I, for a decade, had this vision of the show because I worked in Spanish television. And by this point, I'm after I graduated from college, I lived in Spain junior year in college and lived with a family and had an amazing time. And I lived with the Pantoja family. So they were, I felt like the fifth Pantoja child. And <laughs> it was amazing. And then I came back to Philadelphia and I knew I still had this burning desire to combine languages because by then I had studied Portuguese and I had studied Italian. And I worked at a TV station a while, a good while ago that had programming in Italian and Spanish and all these languages. I was like, oh my God, I'm in heaven. And this is exactly what I wanted. And eventually worked in Spanish television and just loved it. But I, I was very frustrated at not seeing people who looked like me on camera and in the programming even though I traveled to Venezuela and to Brazil and Puerto Rico and all these places. And I saw all these people who looked like me, could be my tia, my aunt, my uncle, tío, a cousin, primo, but no one. And all these, I'm meeting all these incredible musicians and actors and dancers, because I love the arts. And I'm saying, what? We're missing all of this. We as human beings are missing out on a significant, and as you said, integral part of Latin American history and culture when we don't meet these people. And so that gave me the idea for developing a show. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to wait for anybody else to create the show that I want to see. I want to see these people and then I'll do it myself. And so that's how the idea was born. But from idea to inception to an execution and all of that could take a while. And in my case, it did. It was 10 years. And to answer your question, I had the idea and the dream first of shooting in Puerto Rico and Brazil and, and Colombia, because I knew those as having really strong African presence. However, I wound up first shooting in Costa Rica. And people were, when the show started airing, People were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that there were Black people in Costa Rica. And I got that over and over again. And it's one of those countries in Central America. Have you ever been? No, I haven't been to Costa Rica. No, I haven't. It's, it's you, not my You thing. have to go. Yeah, it's on yeah. <laughs> Yes, and everyone, your audience listening, I encourage them to go. And especially, I think, because of your work around and interest around sustainability and ecotourism. It's just a true delight. And so I learned about Costa Rica and we wound up shooting there and it was an absolute dream come true. And so those episodes are now on PBS and it's lifestyle channel, Create TV. So you can catch the Limon episode. You can catch the San Jose episode along with the Colombia episodes, which are airing now as well. Costa Rica is just, and it builds itself as an ecotourism haven and refuge. And it's so 
green and lush. And it's just for somebody like myself who lives in the New York City area, we call the urban jungle and the concrete <laughs> jungle. It's nice to, I love New York, but it's nice to go and just be reminded of the beauty of, of nature and greenery. And I just love it. And I get when it helps you relax and being by the ocean, all that good stuff. So Costa Rica was our first, the first country where we shot. Okay, that's interesting. So what was, how easy or challenging was it for you to actually identify the communities who the Africa, African Latino communities yeah. and yeah. how accepting were they of you trying to highlight different parts and aspects of their life? Thank you. Yes. I had studied somewhat about the Afro-Costa Rican, so I knew somewhat, but I still needed to brush up and learn more. And so between when we got the green light to shoot, I had done and was doing a lot of uh, research and talking to people. And I think one of the great things of living in the New York City area is that the whole world is represented here. And so you can find someone just from Singapore or Abu Dhabi or yeah. wherever in the world or Africa. And that's what I love about being here. And so you just pick up the phone or talk to someone and who's Costa Rican. And before you know it, the community opens up itself to you. And you can ask someone, hey, do you know, can you talk to me about Limon, where we're going to shoot? And do you have relatives? Do you have someone who we want to do a cooking segment? And people would say, oh, yes, or this person or that person. And so you make those connections. And one thing leads to another marvelous thing. And you're connected. And then we work with the tourism board. So they also provide insight and names. And then, of course, the good old internet. And just looking up and finding out who are the people that are mentioned. And so through all those wonderful ways, you can just meet people and do research and learn. And it's just, it's really wonderful. Interesting. So is there any one significant person or someone that actually not just caught your attention, but also inspired you? Like mm. a, a story of some community in one of these places or an individual who's brought about a change, who's, uh, you know, we talk about integration, mm. who's done, who's given back to mm. the original Latinos of whichever country yes. that may be. Any yeah, so, story that kind of comes to mind? Sure. I think so many people and think that people can influence us in so many wonderful ways. And so it's hard to choose one because Shadi, the dancer that um, we dance in the park in San Jose in the capital, and she just had such grace and charm and beauty. And I think about her because I think about how for so long, people of African descent were told that they couldn't be ballet dancers because they didn't have the, either the intellect or the body type and how she just blew that out of the water. She'd studied ballet and you could see it. She's so amazingly graceful. And I remember after shooting the dance segment in the park, I just sat and I was like on the verge of crying. I was just felt so emotional, so connected, so grateful. 
for having known her and having had that incredible moment, right? That moment in time that won't be repeated. That well, it's was been captured, but it's been captured. Yes, posterity. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Yes. And you could have Thank easily you. missed yes. it, right? You could have easily. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I think about all these wonderful people who, through the just honor of having the show, we I get to meet them and hopefully share so much goodness. And Shadi's one person, but I also think about Quince Duncan, who's uh, a writer, an Afro-Costa Rican writer, and he's been writing for over 50 years. And he was the first person to bring the Afro-Costa Rican story to literature. So before Quince Duncan, nobody had written about Black people in Costa Rica. And I find that absolutely incredible. So that's in, in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so to think about what that means, because before him, that means the Costa Rican story was not including people of African descent. They weren't being included. Their presence, the greatness, the building of the railroad, the Costa Rican railroad by people of African descent, Jamaican immigrants, that wasn't being told. The 5,000 people who, plus, not just 5,000, but I remember Quince telling me that, and he shares that for the first 5,000 people who built the railroad, after that, so the 5,000 and one first person, they stopped counting that died, excuse me, those, that people that died building the railroad. So they stopped counting. Mm -hmm. So that means that people gave their lives and we may never know who they are to build a railroad that we eventually, or Costa Ricans could eventually get on and enjoy and move and go from points A to B and find work and leisure, all those things. People gave their lives for that. And so Prince Duncan, I think is a master, great storyteller is a historian, and he was also instrumental in involving, he became the Minister of Education, Secretary of Education, and he was really instrumental in having an impact on Costa Rica, the curriculum and changing policy. So there are a lot of just amazing things that, and people that I've met, but I was just thinking about those two in those particular. Two, yeah. There are, when you talk to people, meet people, get connected with people, there's always a couple that stand out uh, for their yes for the effort that they may have made in whatever they're doing for being able to inspire others I think there's every single person that you go along and meet has something in them that would inspire you but I guess there are a few that stand out always I see that in my journey as well in what I do so every single yes. thing that I talk to inspires me and yes. I learn from but there's always a couple that will kind of stand out you know I totally understand that so I just wanted to ask you your show is entertainment but mm -hmm. there is also an aspect of education. So how do you ensure that you're not only as a storyteller entertaining your audience, but conveying the important historical and cultural messages through this whole Afro-Latino kind of integration? Yeah, thank you. I love your questions. And <laughs> thank you. 
Thank you so much. No, I think they're wonderful and fascinating and really thought provoking. And I think when we sit down and think about, when I say we, the producer and the writer, and that's why obviously it's good to have, and I'm sure you know this, a great team of folks that you work with. And so we really think about, yes, we want it to be entertaining because I think that's also a way of touching people and educating them and informing them and learning. So yes, we want it to be entertaining because that's the way. And nowadays, look, the world we live in, it's fast paced. If people, you can lose people quickly. If, if in the first however many minutes, somebody's not attracted and caught, they'll switch to something else. And so we understand that content, there's a part of it that needs to be entertaining. And, but also we try and make it and think about when we're putting the shows together, what's that one, two, three bits of historical information or the something that's key about this person or this event that people, we really want people to know what are the takeaways? What are the key points? And then how do we, how can we weave them in so that obviously it is entertaining, but at the same time, as you said, it's educational. And so we try and think about those things beforehand. And then obviously when you're on a shoot, anything can happen, but you try and remember those core, what are the core, the key takeaways that you want to make sure that we we film, that we ask about, that we make sure we include and mention. And hopefully we hit it and we capture those things. I think, and I, I hope that part of that is we've been contacted by so many teachers who want to use our content and want to, so I, I'm hoping by teachers, middle school, high school, professors, university colleges, that's saying something that it is hopefully entertaining as well as educational. And so that makes me feel really good because what we're seeing now is that the teaching community is looking for new ways to talk about Latin America, to talk about and share for their students ways of learning about Spanish-speaking countries and, of course, Brazil, which is Portuguese-speaking. And I love seeing that, this transformation, evolution of the teaching profession saying, you know what, we've got to incorporate more about the Afro-Latino influence in our curriculum. And so I think that's absolutely fantastic. I love it. Yeah. And also if your show is able to create that, because then you are, it's engaging clearly. So people will, because you're absolutely right today. If the hook has to be there in the neck in the first three minutes. If yes, not, yes. then people lose interest. So the right. fact that you have people in the academics who are coming, reaching out and saying that they want to include parts of your show as a part of their curriculum, I think in a way shows that yes, there is the educational aspect of it, which is also pretty obvious in your show other than entertainment. And I think it's a very important conversation to be had. It's very important for there to be awareness. You can't just ignore the fact that in, in this case, that there is such a important 
community in the Afro-Latinos and the contribution that they have made towards the fact that they have, however historically they may have gone there, but the fact that they have been able to connect, they've been able to contribute, they've been able to work together along with the natives mm. of that country, I think is phenomenal. And it's very important for there to be awareness about it. And that is exactly what your show is doing, which is why it's very important for not just people in America to be able to see it, but also the rest of the world. So I'm not sure how people will be able to, if they don't live in the US, will be able to actually get a glimpse of what you have to offer. So I can you, do you have any other, yeah. is it YouTube or how can people actually be able to see parts of your show? Or all well, of I just want to, again, yeah, no, I just want to, again, thank you so much for just your words and your awareness and realization of how incredibly important the topic is and the people are. And I can't thank you enough for that because as I said, I had the idea 10 years ago and no one was interested when I was trying to get funding and to hear your recognizing of the importance really means a lot. And I love that and I appreciate that you're so aware and attuned to it. And I think one of the things you just said, and I, that's why I said, I love your questions and your interest, but I think one of the things that you just said was really important. All the things, I love what you've been saying, but I think what you just said, I wanna just comment on because you talked about the communities working together. And I'm not Afro Latino, as far as I know, I use, I like to say you could have, I could have some great uncle, which would be marvelous. But as far as I know, my, my ancestors are African-American from South Carolina and then by way from Africa. Um, but I, when I travel and obviously this is still someone who's not, is a great admirer of Afro-Latino culture, but what I see is in a unification and I don't mean this in that there aren't people in the Afro-Latino communities in every country that there's nobody, there's no uniformity and hundred percent agreement in, in any culture, in any community. But I do find that there is, as you were talking about working together and there is a spirit and with the Columbia episodes that are now just airing on PBS and it's lifestyle channel, create TV in the United States, we, focus on the Colombia of the Pacific region and the Afro-Colombians of this area. So I don't know if you've ever been to Colombia, but there is, people are very familiar with Cartagena now. They've been traveling to Cartagena, um, Bogota, even if you haven't been, people have heard of the capital, but people aren't as familiar with Cali. And so we filmed in Cali, which is part of Colombia's Pacific coast. And this area is heavily Afro-Colombian. And there is a spirit there of, we are from the Pacific. And there is just, I just love that sense of togetherness. And again, I'm not saying every single person from the Pacific feels that, 
but there is this sense of community and people talk about it and spirit and togetherness. And so we film at one of the biggest festivals really in Latin America and it's called the Petronio Alvarez Festival. And so people will see it in one of the episodes and it's a coming together and it happens every August in Cali. And it's just a beautiful way that you just see humanity and people sharing their music from the Pacific and their food, their cuisine, their dance, their traditions. And it's just absolutely lovely. And there is this sense of community when you're there and people working together and being together. And it's really lovely. And so I do see that or when I travel that there is this sense of among some parts of these communities, working together, supporting each other. And it's, I think, really lovely. Okay. Yeah. But how do people get to see it outside of <laughs> yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, but that's all wonderful, but they can't see it. <laughs> they can't see it. So, yeah. As I mentioned, in the U.S. in particular, PBS and Create TV, and then we are working to, we're going to start very soon having some segments up on YouTube. So they'll be able to check out our channel. So you can just Google Kim Haas or Afro Latino Travels with Kim Haas. So that'll be coming up soon. Our website, travelswithkimhaas.com is a way we'll be having segments up very in the very near future. And then we are also looking to have the shows air. The Costa Rica episodes, our first ones aired on Costa Rica public television, which was so great so that folks in Costa Rica could see it. And then we're going to be talking to Colombia and trying to get our episodes on television in Colombia as well and throughout Latin America so that Latin Americans can learn about each other as well. So just folks, stay tuned. It was so funny. You were like, yeah, that's great, but how can they watch it? So how many episodes per season? So we started with two in Costa Rica, San Jose and Limon, and two in Colombia, uh, Cali and the Pacific Coast. And we are working to shoot this year. Not sure exactly where yet. We have obviously quite a few options, yeah. but we'll see how many episodes. It, it, it costs a lot to shoot and to get show off the ground. So Funding is has been a challenge, but we, we not always the case. <laughs> <laughs> For us creating people, that's always yes. a challenge. Yes. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, I think the kind of content and the uniqueness of your content people should appreciate. And I think you should not have a problem with funding. And do all the very best because personally, I would love to see a lot more of your travel series because I think it's like I've been saying right through our conversation that I think it's very important. And when 10 years in the making, but you persevered, mm. which again, all credit to you. Like didn't give up and you were able to get it off the ground so I really feel like there's a lot more in there and Aww. I'm sure it's going to be amazing 
How many languages do you speak, by the way, other than... You know what, after, I feel like I'm about to cry. Best sense. I the... I genuinely, genuinely mean it. So I know, and I am so <laughs> moved by your words and your support and your energy, your spirit. And I just, it's been a hard road. And so these kinds of interactions and chats with you mean a lot. And I, and you get it, you get the importance of it. And that's what I mean. I so appreciate it. And so thank you. Gracias. Obrigada. <laughs> Grazie. I speak Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian. And so I share them all with you and obviously your audience because it means the world to be on such a journey and to know that you just get it and understand it. I'm grateful. Thank you. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. Ah, <laughs> De nada. <laughs> yeah, my five years in living in Barcelona should not really be wasted when it comes to language. But... Yes. <laughs> yes. But... You got it. <laughs> Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed talking to you, Kim. For me, I think it's, I believe that the more interactive the conversation is, the more spontaneous it is, the more yes. I feel it has it, it's far more impactful than just doing a simple Q&A that anyone can do and you never know where the conversation yes needs to right and I think that's just so important and I've learned so much uh, from you today and Aww. thank you very much and you have Aww. an absolutely amazing day and you're ahead and I'm sure your funding's going to come through. <laughs> thank you. And thank you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you have a good day, Kim. You too. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Now Boarding, a travel podcast. Check out other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And of course, don't forget to share your thoughts with us. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes only on Now Boarding, a travel podcast.